of like faith and and church being a, a, an extended family uh, that you can depend on that that's there for you during crisis times of trouble and when you look in society you know when I was younger and they may be many of you that's uh, even older than I am uh, when I was growing up it, it seemed like days lasted forever um, I can remember, coming to church on uh, midweek and you would go to school you'd come home you'd play a little bit do some homework eat supper you get ready you come to church and it just seemed like they were hours after that you had before it was time to go to bed same thing on Sundays Um, but it seemed like time we had more time and that's another way that the enemy has crept in to destroy not only the church but the family unit is everything is so fast-paced. Uh, everything that we do, and and there's so many things to do now, uh, we think that we've got to have, uh, you know, every little thing our kids want to do, we think we've got to let them do it. Uh, everything they want, you know, uh, we've got to get it for them. Uh, you know, and, and when we were growing up, a lot of times it was a... Uh, one person income it was you know uh usually it was the dad that worked most moms stayed at home uh which i think is great but in today's society uh with the way things cost and uh you know all the taxes we have to pay we don't bring as much home it takes two incomes to raise a family now it takes both uh husband and wife working and piling their money together to pay the bills to survive. So there's a lot of things that have happened in this world that has took the family unit and it's put pressure, it's put stress on it. So now we have both parents working and then we rush home from work. We've got to get one kid to swim lessons, one kid to dance lessons, another kid to baseball practice. And all these things are good. Uh, we, we should support our children in activities. Um, it helps them uh, interact and in learning social abilities, social skills, how to communicate, teamwork, how to work with other people. Um, they are, they're all good, but we try to do so much of it that we lose sight of just being able to come home and you know, sit around, play a board game with their kids or watch a TV show with their children and just have the family time. And, 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 you know, like I say, I'm not, I'm not knocking sports. I'm not knocking dance or swim lessons or any of that. It's all great, but there's, there's a time and a place for everything. And, you know, I always like to, I always told my kids, you know, you you can you can pick a sport and play that one, but we, we're not playing all nine sports that's offered out there for you to play because I work all day long and I don't want to spend my afternoons every afternoon and every Saturday uh, uh, chasing where you where a sport's being played or what's going on, you know. And sometimes we we lose that time, and you know. When that happens, it strains the marriage. Then it strains the church. And Satan is doing all of these things to get us so busy, so uh, 
sidetracked with with all these activities that we fail to realize the importance of what church is, what it does for us, not only spiritually, but it does good for us mentally. It's good for our children mentally. It's good for uh, us as parents mentally and as spouse, husband and wife, to be able to sit together, uh, it, whether it's an hour, hour and a half, sometimes that's all the time we get to sit together, but we are being fed the Word of God and there's an importance in that. And when crisis happens in America, uh, I remember uh, 9-11, uh, 2001, September 11th, I was at that time working full-time with the Charlotte Fire Department. And I remember we were downtown Charlotte when uh, the planes hit the building and we had to uh, rush back to our station and we were put on lockdown for in case, you know, an attack was done there in Charlotte. And I remember following that attack, Second Chronicles seven fourteen. you know, everybody was posting and everybody was saying. And then uh, after a little season, after a little time there, everybody went back to life as normal post 9-11. And then you, you, it kind of just was quiet, and then you didn't hear a lot until COVID. Then COVID come out uh, in the last two years, you know, and we started hearing everybody again, quoting Second Chronicles seven fourteen, you know, and everybody's familiar with it. It says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then... I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Now, everybody was quoting that scripture and everybody's, you know, saying it, saying it, saying it. And, and I believe that a lot of people did turn back to God. They, they begin to look to God, uh, but not everybody began to look back to the church. And that's where I think some injustice was done or damage was done is because Second Chronicles seven fourteen by itself, it does not work, and we have all these people quoting it and trying to humble themselves and pray. But you've got to read verses fifteen and sixteen to see how fourteen is activated. And if you look at verse fifteen, it says, "Now my eyes shall be opened and my ears attend unto the prayers that's made." In this place. Where is he talking about? He's not talking about your home. He's talking about the church. In the house of God. Where do we come to glean the knowledge of God? Where do we come to, to experience his presence? Then verse 16 it says, For now I have chosen and sanctified this house, that my name may be there forever, and mine eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually, which means always. So for us to humble ourselves and pray, yes, we need to do that at home, but we also need to do it as a corporate body, as the church, because it goes on to say there that God's eyes will be directed to that place, and it's the place where his presence can uh, abide. That's a place where his presence can reside, and we need to understand that Satan wants to do everything he can to keep us out of this place. 
And when you look at COVID, you know, nationwide, they may have been a handful of churches that didn't completely shut down. Um, you know, we, I remember when it happened, we, we discussed it, uh, talked to a few other pastors and, you know, my stance on it was, uh, you know, Hey, let's, let's do some research. Let's shut down. We'll go straight online. Uh, and, and let's do some research on our own, not depending on what the news media is saying or what our government's saying, because, you know, I won't even get into that. That's a whole nother podcast for a whole nother time. But, you know, we were shut down, I, I believe, for about four, maybe five Sundays. Uh, and we still done a little bit of uh, music. And then we would have the preaching. And I thank God for online. Uh, you know, I thank God that we're able to do this, and I thank God that we're able to be online reaching people all around the world through the Internet, through social media and different platforms, and it, it was good because we were shut down, but we could still preach the Word of God. The bad part about it is a lot of churches never opened back up. They shut their doors completely because Church don't run for free. It costs to have lights or rent a building if you have to rent. There's all these different things that have to take place. And, you know, then when we begin to open back up, the attendance people were coming back in, but they were still, and I, I'm not just talking about our church, but all over, there's a lot of people that ramped up their online capabilities, which is amazing, is great. But how many people never came back in the doors of the church because they feel like I can still be a part of that church. I can still be connected to that church. I just don't want to go. Or they'll have an excuse, well, I don't feel like going this Sunday. I've had a bad week, so I'll just watch online. And what we're doing is we're setting ourselves up to where God then will not hear our prayers. He'll not see that we've been humble because when you humble yourself, that means I'm going to do what God's word says, no matter what it costs me. And we'll go on in some later scripture and show a little more of the importance. But when you look at statistically speaking, and I think Josh has pulled up some of the statistics here and there are different variations of percentages of people and why they don't come to church or, you know, how many used to come and how many don't come now in different, uh, you know, back from 90s versus 2000s and the current age. And, you know, it's very heartbreaking to see the downfall of the church as a unit, as a body where we all came. Um, you know, I think if it was up to me and we can't do it, uh, but I would block, I would do a blackout on a, I don't know, 50-mile radius uh, for online stuff on Sunday mornings. If you live within 50 miles of the church, you couldn't watch it online. You you got to come. There's something about being here versus being at home watching. Yeah, it's good, but it's not the same. And yes, God can reach through the internet while you're watching a service, and God can touch you right where you are, but he don't expect you to stay that way. And uh, just real quick, if you've got those pulled up, Josh, you can go through a couple of those statistics and stats. 
Yeah, so um, <clears throat> a couple things here that just talks about the church and the churchless. Um, in 1990, um, the, the churchless was 30%. In the 2000s, it went up 3% to 33%. In 2014 is where this data was pulled last was 43%. I would imagine the next statistics for the current time of where we're at would be anywhere between the 50 to 60 percentile right now for churchless in America. Mm. Uh, when this topic came up as well, um, you look at like 49% are actively attending a church at least once a month, 49%. 33% are the de-churched, um, and they're, at, they're no longer active in the church. They still say they're a part of the church, but they're no longer active. 10%. Uh, are purely unchurched um, and have never attended church. And there's 8% um, who attend church infrequently and unpredictably. Wow. So that's, that's statistics right now for us. And I think that was one that one of those that really amazed me is you would think moving forward in a progression and as much internet as we have now and a lot of churches have, you know, awesome facilities. They're very modernized, uh, you know, just cool. You would think the younger generations would be flocking to to those churches, but and we would have less unchurched people. But actually, in moving forward, we've got a, a smaller number of young children or teenagers young adults that have never been in church than we used to back, say, 80s and 90s. Um, and, you know, then that one statistic, the de-churched. You know, this is a whole group of people that went to church but either got their feelings hurt or got caught up in a split in the church or just something happened and they just got out of church and never have went back. Yeah, and I imagine that statistic is is different now since COVID took place. Right. I imagine that de-churched is probably a larger portion of the 40 to 50 percentile, maybe large, maybe more than that right now. Right. Which is kind of staggering. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, I know a lot of people will say, well, I don't actually physically go to church, but I watch online and I send my tithes. I'm still part of the church, but that, yeah, thank you for your tithe. Thank you for your offering. We we need those things to spread the gospel. You know, uh, buying these cameras, microphones, doing the things that we do, it, it don't happen for free. You know, you you can't just get on Amazon and, and order a bunch of stuff or wherever we get supplies from, different things. You, you know, or like we've just done renovations here. We couldn't go into the carpet store and pick out all the carpet that we just put in and they ring up the bill and say, oh, we're a church. Oh, okay, well, it's free. Don't worry about it. So so we appreciate the tithe and the offering, but that don't make you connected to the church. We don't want just your tithe. You know, I, I always like to, like one preacher, you say, if, if you think the only reason that we want you here is for your tithe, then you just keep your $2.50. We don't want it. You know, that's... A tithe is, is, you know, we and there, we done a podcast two or three weeks ago about the tithe and the importance of it. But that's not why we want you here. We need you. 
We need volunteers. We need people to be able to work together to to keep up the grounds and to do the renovations and and just to be a family. It's not always about working. Uh, you know, sometimes it's as simple as staying after a service and and having a meal and just fellowshipping together. And you you find people that maybe you don't get to talk to, and you find the connection there. And it's so important when you go through a crisis in your life, a tragedy in your life, that you've got a core group of people that will surround you and surround your family, and they will keep you lifted up. They will keep you stirred up, you know, speaking faith in your life, praying for you. You know, uh, our church uh, is, is just absolutely phenomenal you know, I know our family's been through some tragedies and been through some some circumstances, situations here recently. I know Josh's family has been. You know, no family is without struggle or trouble or crisis. But it's just amazing to sit back and watch this church body when we send out an email or a text and you, you find out when you go to visit a family as a pastor, when we go to visit these families going through this crisis, it, it's amazing to see how positive they are, even though they're hurting and they're struggling and watching our church people, we're bringing in food, we're doing things for them at their home. It's all, see, all that's wrapped up in being a community of one, a family. And, and you don't get that just out in the community. You know, you, that's part of being in a church. And the other thing is, is you have people coming into your life that's not speaking the negative. They're not being, well, this is just terrible. I can't believe this is happening. I don't know what you're going to do. You've got people that's willing to hold your hand, pick you up, and even carry you through a crisis if you can't do it on your own. And I believe, you know, and I, I'm not tooting, tooting our own horn or bragging on our church, but uh, a, a particular lady in our church, a uh, sweet, sweet lady, her husband had died suddenly, passed away, and I remember pulling up in their driveway, and and the, the driveway was just, it was just muddy. It was a mess, and uh, we had talked a little bit, and, and she had even said that when it rains real hard, sometimes they have to park in the grass. Well, that's not that's not good enough. I'm not knocking their family. They just couldn't get it took care of. So we as a church body, I went and talked to some friends of mine that run a grading company. We had their equipment out there. They graded her driveway and fixed it right, put gravel down on it. We didn't halfway do it. We'd done it just like it would have been my personal driveway is how I wanted it done. And the church took care of that. That's the church being the church. We take care of one another when the when we're down, when we're broken, when we can't get through. As a church body, we pull together as one, and we 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 go through situations. And uh, I think people miss that. Uh, I think, and a lot of churches may not do that. You know, uh, if if you go to a church. To me, one of the biggest things about a church, if I was looking for a new church, which thank God I'm not, but if I was, would be I want to know what what do they do? You know, I want to talk to some members and see how does the church take care of its own. Uh, you know, it's one thing to reach out in the community, 
And it's one thing to, to, to do things for the community, but there's not a benefit to doing things out in the community when your own people inside are hurting or broken or struggling. You know, so you look, is the church, do they have a, a way, an outreach that they help their own members and then after they help their members, moving out into the community? But that is the importance of the church. You know, yes, we need to hear the Word of God. We need to be taught the Word of God. Yes, we need a place where we can come in and worship, in, in corporate worship, you know, because that goes into something we may get into in another podcast, but the difference between a singular anointing, uh, which is on one person, but then a corporate anointing that comes together in the house of God. And you see, people need to be able to experience the difference in a singular anointing and what happens in a corporate anointing. And I know in Hebrews uh, chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, he said, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see that day approaching. So you see Old Testament, Second Chronicles, he talks about the importance of the church. Move up to Hebrews, New Testament, the importance of assembling together like fellowship, like faith. Why? It stirs up love, and it's also a place that you will see good works done. And then, then he goes on and it says that we need to be together to exhort one another as we see that day approaching. What is that day? The coming of the Lord. When you look outside and you look at our government, you look at what's going on in our world. I mean, they're talking now about uh, another strong COVID variant coming out and their state's already discussing uh, total lockdowns again. You know, our, our inflation is, they lie because they just, I, I read an article, that they just, because our White House, our government, can't explain or admit that they don't know how to fix this inflation, uh, they just redefined what inflation is. Um, but, you know, our inflation is out the roof, gas prices is out the roof, food prices are out the roof, uh, we're having trouble in supply chains getting things, you know, uh, when you look at all these things, these things, if it can cause anxiety, it can cause fear, it can cause worry. But when you have a family of God that you can come together, you can stir each other up in love, you can do good works together. I don't care if you're a Christian or you're not a Christian. You can't tell me that it don't feel good. It don't make you feel good and sleep good at night knowing you've done a good work for somebody else. You see, and then when we see all these things happening, we can come into the church and we can exhort one another knowing that, hey, soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. So you see, the church is important and some people might say, well, you know, I used to go to church, but I'm just, uh, I just don't go anymore because people in church are, uh, you know, they're just hypocritical. Well, do you go to Walmart? Do you go to Food Line? 
Do you go to work? Everywhere you go, you're going to find hypocrites. I mean, it, it, it don't matter where you go. Hip, hypocrites, stupid people, ignorant people, it's inevitable. They're everywhere. You know, sometimes it's bad to say, but I think the ratio of of idiots versus sane people has, has tilted the other way, and there's more idiots out there than the sane people. Uh, but anyway... Uh, we we need a place. You you can't keep coming up with excuses of why you can't go to church. Well, I just don't receive there anymore. You know that's that's a big excuse I've heard is well I went to church but I just don't receive there anymore. Well, if you have a relationship with God, the first thing you need to do is pray about it because nine out of ten times the reason you're not receiving from that church is you. One percent of the time, it may be that the pastor's in there, or or what it is, whatever it could be there. Most of the time, you're the problem why you're not receiving. You know, or people will say, "Well, I just don't like the way they do things down there." Well, are you involved? Or are you just a pew sitter? You know, I, I wonder what the statistic would be on pew sitters. <laughs> yeah, there's no tellings there. You know, uh, it, it's the people that, that like to complain about what the church is not doing, what the church should be doing, what the church needs to be doing, but yet all they do is come in late on Sunday mornings and leave early, and, and they don't participate, they don't add to a church. If you want to see change in a church, be the change in the church that you want to see. If you want to see a department do something, go meet with the pastor, meet with uh, the pastoral staff or whoever it is, the board, whatever you need to do, uh, department head, and, and, and get involved. You know, and you may not be able to start out doing what you want, but start out helping somewhere. And once I believe, once anybody gets involved in something, then you take ownership. Then when you take ownership of something, there's a level of pride that comes in. It makes you feel good to see things done right. You know, I always tell people, and I can't remember the exact or who wrote the book, but it was uh, it was called the Five Star Church. And basically what it is is they were getting to the point of how many of you, when you go on vacation, want to stay in a one-star hotel or a two-star hotel? No, if we can afford it, we we want a five, that five-star experience. I don't know if any of you have ever stayed in a five-star hotel, but it is amazing. I mean, it is just everything is just lavish and awesome, but yet we wonder why we can't have a church that grows or people that come to when when we we got a two-star mentality. You see, we, we need to think this is God's house, so we need to do everything at a five-star level so that people will come in. People will want to be a part of it. Not everybody that has been to church and left, you're going to get back. They're just, they're self-deceived, and unless God just does a, a, a miracle work in them individually, you may not can reach them. But people need to realize that uh, church is not a perfect place. Uh you know, if church was a perfect place, then I couldn't come. I, I'd be the first one to have to say, well, I, I'm sorry, I can't come. But I always like that saying that church is an imperfect place for imperfect people to worship a perfect Savior.
I mean, how awesome is that? Bring your worries and bring your cares. Bring your baggage with you. And God will take it from you at the altar. And you can walk away free. There's no other house that you can do that in. There's no other place that you can take those things and, and cast them onto him. You know, and so we need to look at, as more people are hungry. People see what's going on in the world and they're hungry. People will listen more now than ever to sound doctrine. You know, and if you say, well, I don't go to a church that necessarily has sound doctrine. Well, I try to find me somewhere else. You know, and, and, and some people, well, if I go to church, I've got to go to this church because that's where my mom and them went and my grandma and them went and their grandparents went here and my great-great-great-grandpa helped build the steeple and, and, and paid for the bell that goes in the top. Well, all that's well and good, but all of that is not what you'll be held accountable for when you stand before God. You see, God's Word said... He has placed every member in the body as he sees fit. So the first thing you need to do is seek God. Is this where you want me? Is this where you want me to be? God, show me the church. Show me the house of worship that you want me to be a part of. And then when he does, you go. You know, don't, don't be what they used to call the grasshopper uh, member. They hop from this church to that church to that church to that church. They never are settled. The Bible says, you know, it talks about just like a tree planted by the water that will not be moved. Because why? That root system is deep. So when I'm faced with adversity, because I've been consistent in the body of Christ and because I've grew in my faith by sitting under sound doctrine and the principles of God, my root system, my faith is dug deep into the word of God and my beliefs. So when situations arise, not only am I strong enough to stand, but I've got a whole support system there with me, keeping me standing right. Um, what was some of the statistics um, as far as what we were talking about earlier before the show? It was like 49% now that don't or that go to church. It wasn't it less than half of Americans? Yeah, that was less than half of Americans go to church. I think that the other statistic that you wanted to reference in there is about 156 million U.S. adults and children are churchless. Wow. I'll let that just set into whoever's watching tonight. 156 million. So a question I would ask, Wesley, is like, what has the church done or not done in order to impact those 156 million people? You know, hang on, let me give you this statistics again. So listen to this for everybody's watching. Churchless Americans equal bigger than Canada, South Korea, Saudi Arabia, South Africa, and New Zealand combined. Wow. Those countries combined. Only China, India, Indonesia, Brazil, Pakistan, Bangladesh, and the church-going half of the United States are larger. Wow. You see, that, those, are, those are big numbers. And I know, you know, a lot of people talk about, well, uh, you know, our church is almost full. Well, praise God. Believe God for a bigger building or 
believe God to go to two service. That's something that I'm praying for and believing for. I know me and Josh have talked. You know, I, I want to see us get to the point soon where we can say, you know what, guys, uh, we're going to have to go to two services. Once we go to two services, guys, we're going to have to look at either adding on to the church or buying some new property. Why? It's not to, 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 to say, look what I've done or look what we as a team have done. It's, it's because if we're growing, that means there's more people coming in to the kingdom of God. More people are seeing their lives changed by the power of God. I have the mentality as a pastor, too, that if you're not happy here, let me know. You know, I would rather someone be able to speak to me in public and not try to go around another aisle or be embarrassed because they didn't want to come to church here. I would rather them be honest and upfront with me, and then I would do everything within my power to personally find them a church where they fit in. Not everybody's going to fit in here. You know, I kind of like the... The saying, it, 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 you know, I, I forget uh, a church that I, I had been to a couple times, uh, but they said, and I loved it, is we're not a church for everybody, but we are a church for anybody. Meaning not everybody's going to like here, but anybody's welcome. And you see, we have to have, not everybody's going to like my preaching or Josh's preaching or my dad's preaching. Not everybody's going to like what we say or how we say it. But that's okay. There's other churches out there. But when they come in, we need to be able to say, hey, we'd love to have you back. We, we'd like to see you here. Uh, and if they say, well, you know, we like this, but we just don't feel like this is us. We as pastors and, 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 and workers in the church need to be able to say, instead of, well, they don't like us. They don't like us. what we do wrong. What do they don't like about It's okay. But let's be men enough or an adult enough, Christian enough, full enough of the Holy Spirit to say, well, look, if you don't like it here, let me help you. Is it okay if I help you? I know some pastors in the community. Their churches are a little different than us. Uh, they're great men of God, great churches. Uh, let me put you in contact with them, and let's, let's get you there. You see, it, it's not just about building an individual church. It's about building the kingdom of God. And when you take on that mindset, I'm here to build the kingdom, then I believe God will see your heart and he'll fill up your church. You know, and uh, one of the bigger things is, you know, I and because I've been in this, you know, I'm 45, I've been in this all my life, but actually been in ministry, you know, 25 years, I guess, uh, right at it. But, you know, a lot of people, they, they get frustrated and, and they want to badmouth the pastor. They want to talk about the pastor. And the, the Bible, it, it specifically talks about not putting your mouth on God's leg. The biggest thing that can hurt a church is when people begin to talk about its leadership. If you don't like the leadership, that's one thing. But keep your mouth off of them because what happens is now you've opened yourself up 
to an attack of the enemy because you've come against God's elect. It don't matter if they're right or wrong, they're God's servant for him to deal with. And we need to look at that. But not only do I, like I said earlier, and I think I'll keep reiterating this, I don't, yes, I need the word of God. I need it in my life every day. I need to worship and praise as much as I can be involved in it. But it's not just that. It's the camaraderie. It's the fellowship. It's being in unity with like believers. You know, there's been times I've come in here on a Sunday morning or something and be just wore out, tired, and not really complaining or anything, just be tired. But just a few minutes of being around people of like faith, you feel yourself begin to rejuvenate with energy. You, be, you feel that excitement. You know, and Paul said, you know, uh, or I mean, David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. We need to get back to that mindset that there's an excitement on Saturday night when I'm going to bed and thinking, man, I get to wake up in the morning and I get to go to the house of God. I get to worship with with my family of believers. I get to worship my God alongside of my friends and family of the church. Then I get to hear a message that God wants me to hear that's going to help me grow. It's going to help change my life, and I'm going to be able to go out and do the work of the ministry and win the loss. We need to take that kind of mindset. When we take that mindset, then our viewpoints begin to change. You know, then we begin to look differently, not, well, I got to go to church. No, I get to go to church. So we need to be glad that they said unto us, let us go into the house of the Lord. It ought to be one of the most exciting things that you get to do every week is go to the house of the Lord and worship. Um, Matthew chapter 16, very familiar passage of Scripture that everybody's heard, and this is when Jesus was talking to the disciples, and he said, who do men say that I am? And, you know, I'm not going to go through the whole uh, section of Scripture there, but then when he got to Peter, and he looked at Peter, and he said, and he, this is starting at verse 18, he said, and I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now notice... When he said he changed his name to Peter, it was Simon, he changed it to Peter, and he said, upon this rock, he's talking about the revelation of who Jesus really is. And he said, this is the revelation, the revelation of who Jesus is, that's the rock on what I'm going to build my church. And he said, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well, if I don't want hell to prevail in my life, I'm not a rocket scientist, but I believe I need to be in the church. And I know, I know, I'll probably get somebody comment or email, well, the church, we're the church. It's not the building. I, I know that. I know that. But he's still talking about a group of believers. You by yourself, you need other people around you. You need the church. That's what hell is not going to prevail against, is the church as a body. And then he goes on in verse 19 and says, I will give unto thee, 
Who's the? The church. The keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You can run around and loose and bind and bind and loose all you want. If you're not connected to a church, you're just wasting your breath. Why? Because that was something that was given to the church. So the, the church is so important, especially in today's time. We have to look at the, the indoctrination of our children. It is, I, I, you know, I was talking to a guy uh, Monday, I believe it was, and he was talking about several people in his family, young children that were great kids, went to college, four years of college, come back, and they're, you know, completely different people, very negative about anything, uh, you know, very, uh, well, for lack of a better, they're just, they, they turn them into liberals, uh, which, you know, liberal in itself is not a bad thing, but what our country has made liberals become, uh, that's not a good thing, you know. And, and they've completely changed these children's mindsets because they have been indoctrinated. You know, I, I thank God my daughter went five years to college, uh, but she, she, she did not get indoctrinated. Why? Because we taught her the importance of God's Word and of church, and she grew up in church. You know, my kids knew, and they, they know now they still both live at home, but you, you can stay out late as you want Saturday night. Come Sunday morning, you're going to be in that church. You're going to be sitting in a seat in the church. Missing church is not an option. And, you know, some people, well, that's just hard. That's just, that's just being hard on our kids. Well, somebody needs to be hard on them because we've raised generations of soft men and hard women. We've got sissified men, and, and, you know, nobody can take correction. Nobody can, if you, you try to correct somebody, well, that offended me. Well, last time I checked, according to the Scripture, Jesus said, I'm the rock of offense. So if I'm preaching the Word of God and I'm doing things according to the Scripture, I'm going to offend a few people. But I, I am one of the most pro-church pastors you'll find, pro-church people. I, I, you know, if you take the local church out of the community tomorrow, if you take the local church out of the United States tomorrow, then there'll be millions upon millions of people starving to death. There'll be millions upon millions of people sitting in homes that are dark because their power bills didn't get paid. There'll be millions upon millions of people committing suicide. There'll be millions upon millions of, of, of women having uh, abortions because they didn't understand that abortion is a sin and there is a way out. And, and they had a church that would send them to the right places and support them. You see, the church is the biggest support in the United States, not the government. They're trying to take control. But the church, the local church, it's not about the 10,000-member church. Thank God for the 10,000-member church. But thank God for that 50-member church. Thank God for that 150-member church. Thank God for that 1,000-member church. Why? Because if they're doing what God has told them, 
They're changing people's lives, and they're building a community of like believers that can go out and change the world. And I think that's the thing we have to understand. We don't live in a society now where church is an option. It's not an option. You need to go. You know, I don't know. We didn't get to look it up, but I was talking with Josh. You know, there's Christians, uh, and we live, for anybody that's, that, that don't know, we live in North Carolina. Our church here is based in uh, a small town outside of Charlotte. But there's lots of Christians that buy season passes to the Carolina Panthers. Well, when's most of their games played? Sundays. So if I pay thousands upon thousands of dollars to go watch a bunch of men chase a leather sack with air in it, as, as my dad would say, I'm saying now to my children and everybody around me, that's my pro- – this game – is now more important than the house of God. Oh no, preacher, you you that that's ridiculous. No, that's the truth. And it's what people don't want to hear. When you miss church, I'm not against vacations. I've said it from the pulpit a million times. There's nothing wrong with going on vacation. And sometimes people with work have to travel. Sometimes because who you work for, you have to travel on Sundays. That's all right. I understand that. But when you start saying that I've got to go take my kid to travel ball or I've got to go to the Carolina Panthers game or we've got to go, even something as simple as we got to miss church because of our reunion, that our family reunion starts at 11. My family is going to understand that my church and my God is more important than that reunion, no matter how good the food is. But we have to, God is watching what are you telling God is more important than being in his house on Sunday? You know, look in your life. You, if you look back in the past year, well, past six months, how many Sundays have you missed? Five, six? You know, see, that's too many. You need to be in God's house. And here's one of the main reasons, and it'd be one of the last scripture I use, but it's the 133rd Psalm. But it says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down to the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Harmon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For the Lord commanded the blessing and life forevermore. He said, God's saying, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. You see, there's things in the church, it says in verse 2, it's like the precious oil, which is representative of the anointing that runs down Aaron's beard. It's the head. The beard is headship. So in other words... And then it goes on and talks about running down the edge of the garment. In other words, what's that, what that is saying is God is going to download things to your pastor and that you need to receive from your pastor that God's not going to download directly to you. And you say, well, yeah, but I talk to God all the time and he talks to me. That's fine. 
But there are things because God understands and God created authority. He created headship. He created leadership and order that there's things that he will tell a minister, his servant, his minister, to tell you or to give to you or things that the body needs to hear that you're not going to get on your own. You know, how many times have you sat in a service and been going through something in your life and the preacher's preaching and you're sitting there going, did somebody tell him what I was going through? Did somebody tell them what I've been dealing with? Why? Because that word that's coming out of his mouth is directly related to the incident or the situation that you're going through. No, nobody told him, but God knew that you would be there. God knew you needed to hear that word today. And sometimes we get so caught up in our issue that we can't hear the voice of God for ourselves. but he's got a, a shepherd, the pastor, that watches over that flock. And he was able to hear God say, hey, this is what I want you to preach today. Here's what I want you to share on. And it will begin to touch your life because it's directly related to a crisis or a situation that you're going through. And how many times, have you, Josh, have you been sitting in a service and have an issue going on in your life and think, wow, did they know what I was dealing with? Yeah, I think it's it's one of those things that, <clears throat> you know, the, the omnipotence of God and the Holy Spirit are able to to intersect where we are, are and sometimes in our life, no matter what our situation or our circumstances are. Um, he's able to, to, to define it. He knows us more than we know ourselves, I think, in some instances. Right. Uh, I think the thing is, is making ourselves vulnerable. And then the, the second thing is for us to acknowledge that, hey, we need his help. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think it's that sim- simple. Um, and and I think when we're, we put ourselves out there like that and we allow our faith and our in our spirit man to intersect the Holy Spirit to come in, then there's where true, you know, conviction may happen or where God answers things or speaks to us in those ways of uh, ministers or prophets or evangelists um, or, and or a teacher um, that can come in and, and, and speak into our lives. And, and, mm-hmm. and we can have words of confirmation because we know that God has already mentioned something or spoken something um, into our lives, now it's being acknowledged, right? Right. Um, I think those are the things that really help and benefit the believer. Um, and it's hard to do that. I'll say that it's hard for people to do that outside of being in a church. Right. It can happen. Um, it, it, what's the likelihood, though? Right. You know, it would really take somebody impressing on me spiritually to say, hey, I need you to go speak to so-and-so. And that's happened in times in my life, right. but it's in times He's yeah. spoken more through me in being in a body with other believers. Right. So there's a unison there. Yeah. Well, you, you said that, and it, that really stood out to me when you talked about it's about being vulnerable. And I think that's one thing it, that's very hard, and I don't know how you feel about this, but it's hard for people to be vulnerable. Uh, because when you become vulnerable, uh, you're showing your insecurities, you're showing all of you, you know, and I think in our society, we, we, especially because of social media, uh, you know, just like if somebody goes through a divorce and you live in a small community, 
Well, that whole community is going to know that the divorce has happened sometimes before the couple knows they're divorced. Uh, and, it, you know, here's the thing. It, it, if you're not going to help that couple, then you need to keep your mouth shut. You know, and, and some people, well, I, I can't come into church because you, you know you know what we're going through. That don't matter. You know, I know of an instance, <coughs> and this is just a personal instance, but I know of a young lady, this was several years ago, that uh, was pregnant. She wasn't married, and she was pregnant. Uh, and, you know, I think she was 17, 18 years old. And uh, we knew about it, and my wife and I were in Walmart in Locust and ran into a couple. Uh, and, you know, I love that couple. They're a sweet couple, but the the wife, <laughs> I mean, just to be honest, she's just a gossiper. She's just nosy, got to know everybody's business, and just gossip, you know. Uh, if you want something to be told, make sure you tell her, and everybody's going to know it. And she come up to me in Walmart, and we talked for a minute. I hadn't seen them in a while. And her and her husband were standing there, me and my wife, and we were talking. And then she looked at me, and she said, well, is it so? I said, is what so? She said, well, you know so-and-so. Are, are they pregnant? And I looked right at her, and I said, uh, well, are you going to buy them some formula or some diapers or baby clothes? Well, no. I said, well, I guess it's none of your business. And it kind of shocked them, you know, and we talked for just a second and then they turned around and walked off. But but you see, it's people like that, that that would, instead of going to that young person and saying, hey, it, it's okay, you made a mistake, it, it, you had an accident here, but God still loves you. And because God loves you, we love you. We, we don't want to push you out of the church we want you to bring your insecurities, your hang-ups, your mess-ups, your vulnerabilities, bring them into the house of God and and let him work on it. You know, and I think that's the, the biggest thing, you know, when you hit on that, is I think a lot of people are worried about the vulnerability because in a lot of churches in the past, churches, and I think one of the uh, statistics that we had looked at earlier, one of the biggest excuses or reasons that people don't go to church, I think might have been like the number four or five reason out of top ten, uh, was that the church is judgmental. You know, well, that's why if people coming in, they don't want to feel vulnerable because if half the church is looking at them and judging them on what they have on or maybe the problem they have, I wouldn't want to be there either. You know, and, and we've got to get people in the church have to take the mindset we're not a country club, we're a hospital for the broken, the downtrodden, the hurt. You know, and, and I think maybe that is a big thing is the that vulnerability like you was talking about. Yeah, I, I, I remember speaking, I think I spoke with uh, on another podcast this week um, regarding that this 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 whole topic um and in that discussion it came up about an individual that had had a, a problem with pornography mm-hmm. and uh um it, it, it takes someone of uh of understanding that, that he was vulnerable you know to mm-hmm. even come out on a podcast and talk about him having an addiction to pornography mm-hmm. so i think when we and i'll say this for the church 
the only judgment that we can have on anything is the Bible says based off of fruit, people's fruit, right. things that they can bear out. And mm-hmm. that's it. The other part of it, we're to disregard and allow Jesus to do what he does. Right. We're only to base on that's good or bad, right? That's mm-hmm. good fruit. That's bad fruit. Mm-hmm. That's all you have to say. The other part of what everybody else does and lines up with uh, and sin in their life or, or any kind of uh, entanglement that they may face in their life, we're really allow God to do what he does respectfully. Mm-hmm. And then we're only to judge and sit back from the back, from the wayside and say, that's either good or bad. Right. I think when we get to that mentality, you can allow the church to back off of being the judgmental church. Yeah. And you can allow us to be the people's church. Yeah. And just look at people for who they are. Last time I looked, we all bleed red. Exactly. And so, uh, you know, my, again, my insecurities, uh, sins, or vulnerabilities are no different than anybody else's. Right. You know, they're the same, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, th- I think the difference is, is that in some instances uh, in churches, you know, I try to particularly for my own life, I'm, I'm very aware of what I do and what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And so I try not to sin, right? Right. I think that's the name of the game is that's, so there's, there's not a perfect church. Yeah. And there never will be a perfect church. We have a perfect Savior uh, we have a perfect Holy Spirit. We have the perfect God. We we need to rely on those perfections, yeah, uh, and, and and not our perfections because our perfections are still being worked out. Yeah, yeah, and that's that reminded me. You know, uh, a, a simple saying is Jesus got hung up for all your hangups, all your sin, all your problems, everything that seems to trip you up and catch you. He, he got hung up for your hang-ups, and then he got up so you could get up. And you see, your hang-ups want to knock you down. Your hang-ups, uh, people want to, to remind you of what you've done, and they want to, to, to cast judgment upon you for what you've done. But Jesus got up so you could get up. The only way you can get up mentally, physically, and spiritually is to get in the house of God, get around. And that's the thing you'll find out, especially here at our church. <laughs> I'm very open about hangups and problems I've had in my life in the past. Uh, you know, and and I, 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 I say that sometimes, and I'm like, I hate talking about those things. But if me being open about something I've struggled with or something I've dealt with in my life will help one more person go, wait a minute. I can get past that. I can get delivered from that. I can get set free. Jesus loves me just like I am, but he wants to make me better. Then I'm willing to tell you my whole life story with no pages redacted or or, or, or kept secret. Why? Because if something I've been through and God has brung me through can change somebody else's life, then who am I? So you have to learn that it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to 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 wonder, okay, I'm I'm revealing all. Well, Jesus is your all in all. He's the only one that can can help deliver you. He's the only one that can set you free and get you past those hang-ups and those hurts and those disappointments and those missed appointments. 
He's the only one that can get you right back on track. But when you come into a true house of God and begin to look around, you begin to realize, wait a minute, these folks just like I am. These people got problems just like I got, but they're still praising God. They're still worshiping God. Well, if they can, I can. And you find out that instead of focusing on your problem, focusing on your hang-up, you begin to focus on the only one that can set you free. And when your focus is more on him than your problem, then being vulnerable is out the window. And when that goes out the window, then God can reach in and change your life. But it happens in the church. We have to have places where imperfect people, like I said earlier, can come and serve a perfect God. Is there anything you want to throw in on closing? No, no, I will say this. Like, you know, I, I'll say this for anybody. I, you know, I, whenever I was young, before coming into church, I remember going to my grandma's church. And I like to say this, and uh, a typical Southern Baptist church, little little lady, gray-headed lady playing the piano and keyboard, and, you know, the, the Southern Baptist preacher getting up there and ministering the message. And, and I thought to myself, and, and to me, I respect it now as I'm an adult, but when I was younger, I didn't understand it, right? But the, the key, the thing that impacted me in coming to a church was I found the things that I liked in general mm-hmm. in life. You know, I liked good music. I liked, uh, I like a good, uh, you know, somebody that was preaching that was honest and could teach me and could show me the things of God. And I will say that for anybody out there that's looking for a church. Number one, root yourself into something, not short term, mm-hmm. play the duration. So many people come and go and leave and, you know, as you said, mentioned earlier, people leave and sometimes they don't even tell anybody else that they've left. Mm-hmm. And they want to know why, like, why nobody's reached out to them. Because you didn't reach out to nobody to let them know you were leaving. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, so, and I just dealt this with an individual the other day, you know, in regards to that. Um, I do think that we we have a lot inside the church that needs to be worked on. And no, again, oh, yeah. I'll preface it: no, no church is perfect. You're not going to find a, a mega church or a, 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 a small church. And I'll say this for statistically, just so everybody knows: majority of churches in the United States are are under the probably ninety six percentile of being a small church, meaning that they're a member. They have a membership of between fifty to one hundred fifty members. Right. In the United States. So majority of the churches out there in the United States are small churches. So support a small local church. Get rooted in. As Wesley mentioned earlier, become a part, a byproduct of that church. Get in and, and help. Mm-hmm. The church is only as good as the people that are willing to get out there and, and to put boots on the ground. That's right. And to help help the church grow. You, you can't do it. Everybody, one, one person can't grow the church. By, the, yeah. by himself, mm-hmm. you need a team. You need people yep. that are willing to help. And 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 again, this is about plowing the ground. You just don't plow the ground one year and then put a crop in, and then don't you come back the next year thinking the same thing's going to grow. No, you got right. weeds and you got other things that mm-hmm. are in there. You got to go back and re uh, um, redo the ground. You got to mm-hmm. put refertilize it. You got to resow new seed when mm-hmm. you're growing. Um, and I just say in a continuous that, that, that I see the statistic of, of within the church, if we would stay planted, 
rooted and grounded. Two things, in the Word of God and having a, a good, firm foundation with the Holy Spirit. The third thing is staying in a church, committing yourself 100%, not just a portion or a part, 100%. Honor your God with your tithes and offerings. Honor God with your your presence in the building. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 not about the four walls as much as it is about the people. Right. And I've seen this and I've seen this out of out of my past scenarios. I've seen where folks didn't have church homes and family members have passed away. It is sad. They have nobody uh, there. There's yeah. nobody there. So you have a support structure, and a church should be your support structure. For people that are just like you, and they can help you, and they can they can they can uh, pray for you, mm-hmm. be there for for you in your time of need. Um, again, they're not perfect people, right. but they're willing to do the same thing that you and I are willing to do. And it, and, it, and when you combine enough of us together, that's what actually makes the the church that Jesus died right. for. Mm-hmm. That Jesus died for. So I would just encourage anybody get yourself planted rooted stay in it mm-hmm. long term yeah long term again i'll go back to this if you're going to a church that's not feeding you then that might be the only scenario but i encourage you to do it right if you have to leave a church mm-hmm. what that means is go to your pastor yep. sit down with them have conversations mm-hmm. not about what you think should be happening yeah. just about the things that you're struggling with right and, and let them know and then talk to them about what's your next steps. Mm-hmm. Should you leave? Should you endure yeah. it? Should you, I mean, what should you do besides just taking yourself, uprooting yourself up out of the ground and planting your, trying to plant yourself in another place? Mm-hmm. Because 90% of people will take the, the problems or the mistakes from the right. last church and bring it into the, uh, the next church. Yep. And that does that church no good either. Right. Yeah, it doesn't. And that, you know, that's uh, one of the big things is, is you know, uh, I know we used to always say, well, you know, if we would invite somebody from another church to come to our church or somebody, well, we don't need to be sheep thieves. Well, I'm, I'm kind of like the, the S, what is the SCPA? You know, what is that? Ain't it? Something like that. The, the show you can watch on TV where they go in and rescue malnourished animals. Uh, if I see a sheep somewhere and they're malnourished, uh, I'm going to find them a pasture where they can get fed, you know? And I think that's one of the reasons that churches as a whole growing is because there's some churches and I'm not saying all, and I'm not here to bash pastors and churches, but there's some churches so focused on seeker friendly. They're so focused on having their little coffee shop out in the hallway. Uh, they're focused on what secular song can we play as people are leaving because that they'll like that. They're so focused on doing all those things to get people in that they have forgotten the malnourished sheep or walking out every week because they didn't get fed the nutrients that they needed. They were just through a little crumb here and there because the, the the church as a whole was so focused on how are we going to do this and how are we going to do that. that. Preach the word of God. Yeah, we need to constantly think of new ideas and concepts, but you can never, ever stop preaching the word of God. If you preach the true word of God and you constantly try some new things, modern things around it, not changing the the doctrine, not changing the word. 
people are going to come. People will find where you are. And, you know, if you're out there now and you're saying, well, uh, we'd love to come to y'all's church. We like what that sounds like, but we just live so far away. Hit us up. You know, we'll do our level best if you're watching, you live in another state or the other end of the our state, and you can't get, hit us up, messages. We'll do our level best to find you a, a Bible-believing, sound doctrine teaching church so that you can get in it and you can grow. And that's what it's all about. But listen, folks, we went over a little bit, but that's all right. Uh, but we're glad you're here. Uh, don't know for sure, but uh, a little birdie told me that if they're feeling all right, they're going to be back to the podcast next week. So we'll be glad to get our general back in here so we can we can uh, pick his his brain and his knowledge. But listen, have a blessed week. Remember, it don't matter what you've been through, God has your answer. He loves you, and he wants to see your life change for the better. God bless you. Have an awesome week. We'll see you again next Wednesday.